Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. P.S. I Still Love You was written by Jenny Han and published in 2015. And the film adaptation, which came out this year, was directed by Michael... Feminari. (laughs) There's a G in there. I don't know how to say it if you pronounce the G. (laughs) Yeah, and he was actually the uh, cinematographer in the last movie. Yeah. And then came on as a director, which I was sad to not have a female director. Yeah. Like the first movie Mm -hmm. had, but the script was written by the same woman um, for the first and second movie. So I think that shows. I'm glad you looked that up because I I had been wondering that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I had like a mild panic attack when I found out the director wasn't returning for this one. Yeah. And that it it was a man. And I was like, no, I was like so concerned about it, like right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was glad at least that it was the cinematographer. So at least that very distinctive visual style of the first one would be returning. Yeah, the visual vision was the same. Yes. The visual vision. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm so excited to be doing this one after the first one was so good. Yes. And I enjoyed talking about that one so much. And like, this is like, I don't know, this is like like right in a sweet spot for me in terms of episodes where it's like, it's very funny and light. But there are things that I'm like very interested to actually like dive into and discuss. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And it's I don't know, it just feels cool to have something this fun and also popular happening right now. You know what I mean? Like knowing that the movies are generally well received. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't read much about the movie uh, because we only saw it. it came out on not on Valentine's Day, but only a few days before so it's been out like a week now, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been like avoiding reading much about it uh, for spoilers originally. But so I'm curious what the reception is at this point. I don't entirely know yet, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine it would be like too negative given how closely it still feels with the first one. Yeah, but that I will be curious about that. Uh, but shall we begin and talk about the book? Because the book <laughs> gives us the ending that we wanted from the first book. Yes, it's very confusing. Yes. If you've listened to our other episode on uh, the first book and first movie in this series, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, you know that um, the movie ends with, you know, Peter and Largine ending up back together. They get back together. It's really Mm -hmm. sweet. They're in like this lacrosse field. It's very cute. It's everything you want. Uh, the book actually ends with things completely up in the air. The book just ends. Yeah. <laughs> Which we had a problem with um, in our last episode that we talked about. So this book picks up and things are very much still uncertain with Largene and Peter. They are not back together after no. all the conflict after the ski trip. And Largene ends up realizing that she does have feelings for him and she wants to get back together. She writes him a letter and then goes to see him and they end up back together. Yeah. in kind of a, a, not a totally similar scene, but somewhat with like him wanting to read the note, her not wanting to. And then. Yeah. uh, So and this was interesting because there are elements of this book, not just this, but other elements of this book that were pulled into the first movie. Yes. Uh, Which we'll be like kind of getting to as we go through this story. But it was interesting to see those elements, some of which I was aware of and others which were surprises to me. Yeah. And I almost feel like they did this in the movie because they weren't sure if they were going to make more. Maybe. 
And also because the book ends on such a cliffhanger. And they were yeah. like, we can't end it this way. People would not be happy about that. Well, and certain things that were pulled from this book into the first movie just give certain aspects like a very natural, not conclusion, but kind of a, a capper. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I think it is interesting how the first movie was an amalgamation of some different aspects. Yeah. And seeing what this movie, what this book and movie did uh, and how the movie kind of worked with that. Mm-hmm. So another thing that was included in the first movie, but actually doesn't even happen until the second book, is the whole hot tub Instagram video. Yeah. So there's a video of Largine and Peter making out in the hot tub from the ski trip. And it looks like they might be having sex. Like, they're making out, but it's it's unclear. They're probably just grinding. Yeah. <laughs> Good old-fashioned teenage grinding. <laughs> and this is published under the Instagram Anonabitch. <laughs> great, great handle. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's getting spread around the school, and we saw this in the first movie, but the fallout for, from all this has gone into a lot more detail in the book. Yeah, because in the uh, first book, there was only the rumor they had had sex. Yeah. But it's not till this book that the video comes out. And I really did like a lot of things that this uh, situation highlighted. First yeah. of all, the uh, double standard of Laura Jean getting a lot more shit from people, you know, being called a slut, being yeah. shamed by adults who are aware of the video and just Peter like not really receiving Taking any of that. Seriously, like yeah. he's mm-hmm. upset for Laura Jean. He's upset about the situation. He's not like, yeah, he is, but like his experience of it is, uh, definitely different. And I like the way the book kind of dives into that. It's not like preachy about it. No. And I think it does highlight too, that it's such a stupid situation because Laura Jean has so few options. Like yeah. she can either lean into it and be like, it's none of your business. I can do what I want. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm having sex with him or not, because like I'm a person able to make my own choices and I won't be shamed. Or she can be like, it wasn't me in the video or we didn't have sex. And then kind of like disavow the whole thing. Yeah. And like neither option is good for her because as a woman, like there's consequences for each decision. Yeah. And it just sucks in general. And I mean, and yeah, and the, no one's like kind of caring about the fact that they were like filmed by someone like yeah. watching them. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> which is very like a huge issue. Uh, and I mean, like you said, like the only problem of them, if they were having sex, is the fact that it was in a hot tub, yeah. like a public hot tub. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no one addresses that aspect of it. Everyone's like, did you have sex? And I'm like, let's address the fact it was in a hot tub, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did. Yeah, this was an interesting part to kind of like uh, incorporate at the beginning of this and at the start of uh, Laura Jean and Peter's like serious relationship. Yeah, because they're like newly together and trying to make things work in the way that isn't fake. Yeah. Which is new for them. And then they have kind of this to deal with. And so I think it does put stress on them from the very beginning Mm -hmm. that things are like not super perfect for them. The movie picks up right where the last movie left off, which is the two of them being together. And all the like hot tub stuff has pretty much been resolved. Yeah. So they go out on their first date, their first official date together. It's very cute. They go to an Italian restaurant. They do a whole lantern flying thing. I don't know. It's very cute. It is. It's adorable. And like 
their chemistry together, just those actors. I is know. They're so cute together. So fantastic. And I, I did feel like this really, even though the director was different, it all felt pretty seamless from the first movie. Yeah. I was a little worried at first. I was like, mm, I was probably overthinking it. I'm like, does this feel the same? But it, it really does. And I think a big part of that is the chemistry between them. Definitely. And there's like a lot of really funny lines that they give to Peter. So he feels like a very like funny and charming and sweet person. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the first thing that kind of like, well, and and they do have a first date in the book as well. A first official date, which is they go to the movies. Yes. Less exciting, less romantic. Yes. Less romantic, especially because they run into Jen Peter's ex-girlfriend at the movies, too, and then pretend <laughs> that they don't see her. <laughs> uh, so the the first kind of, um, I, I should say, like, inciting incident of the story yeah. is that Laura Jean receives a letter from John Ambrose McLaren. McLaren. Yes. One of the five boys who she had written to in the first story. Yeah. And apparently he had like moved houses, but the guy who lived in his old house who got the letter held it for him. So that's why it's like coming back late. Yeah. But essentially he got the letter and wrote back to her and she's like kind of like, oh my God. Uh, and is like very like taken by this. Mm -hmm. But the big thing, thing about this is that, uh, the first movie, if people remember, during the credits, we got a little, like, cliffhanger. Yeah. Where John Ambrose shows up to the house with a letter. Yeah. And it's kind of like a womp, 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 like, ending. <laughs> what could happen? Uh, that is completely retconned yes. in the movie. Um, Not only did they completely recast the actor, but the scene of him showing up on Largine's doorstep is not a part of the story no, at all. It's yeah. completely just forgotten <laughs> they're like forget about that <laughs> which is like it's a great it is a funny way to end the first one yeah but like they knew what the books were you know what i mean after this one so yeah it kind of was like it's odd why to would me. they do that yeah if they weren't like totally certain that's where they wanted to go with it but anyway so uh john ambrose who we have endearingly nicknamed Jam. Yes, John Ambrose McLaren is just too long to keep writing out in my notes. And he's constantly referred to as John Ambrose. Like, not really John. No. It's always John Ambrose. So I'm like, I'm not going to write down John Ambrose. So we're, we're just going to, we might say Jam in the episode. So <laughs> <laughs> If we say Jam and you're like, who the fuck is that? It's John Ambrose. Yes. Also, just to bring up this one big gripe I have with the book, and that is the <laughs> the unimaginative names for all of the boys in this story. Oh, my God. And we talked about this in the, in our other episode. Yeah. Like the most white, boring names that you could ever think of. Peter, Josh, John, Lucas, Trevor. Yeah. Uh, oh, her best friend who's a girl. His nickname is Chris. Is named Chris. Yeah. And then they have a dog that is named Jamie, Jamie. Fox Pickle, <laughs> who they just call Jamie. And I'm just like, this is too many basic dude names to remember in one story. And at one point, uh, Chris, her best friend, is over to the house. Yeah. And I was confused. And I thought it was Josh who lives next door. Yeah. But like. Marga was there and they weren't like addressing any tension. And I'm like, this is confusing. Why is Chris 
who I th- was thought was Josh just like chilling there and it's fine. Because you probably forgot Josh's name because it's been a while. It has been, yes. And then you're like, wait, who's Chris? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I did get used to it. I did get back on board like with who is who, but it did give me some problems at the beginning. Yes, it is very confusing. <laughs> Anyway, John Ambrose, <laughs> Jam, Jam. <laughs> writes this letter to Laura Jean. Yeah. And uh, Laura Jean in the book uh, writes him back. In the movie, she's like not sure how to write him back. There's a whole scene where she's trying to write him a letter and she's like, all of this sounds dumb. So there's a little bit of a pause on that in that story. Um, but meanwhile, uh, Laura Jean and Peter are kind of deepening their relationship and having some like serious discussions and conversations just around how it's kind of complicated to be in a relationship sometimes. Yeah, this part of the story to me was, I think, by far uh, the best and the most interesting. And it just I, I love it because it is true for being in a relationship in high school when you're young. Yeah. Kind of the anxieties of like, what do I do? Like, how far do I go with this person? Yeah. How do I act? And like, what's appropriate? And also, what what am I comfortable with? So we're not just speaking about like physical intimacy. No. We're just talking about like, what are the rules even? Yeah. And I, I think that's still true to adults too. Like when you get in a new relationship, you know, each person's different and you're getting comfortable with like what they're expecting, what you're expecting and like yeah. being able to discuss those things. And so like all of that felt very well discussed like I liked how open her and Peter were talking about everything from just like uh you know what to expect out of like going on dates and like yeah waiting for each other and like that kind of thing and then also like as far as like sex mm-hmm. and the fact that Peter's had sex and she hasn't and what that means between them yeah and I mean Largeen is understandably anxious about this and she's constantly wondering like what am I ready for? What am I uncomfortable with? And also what does Peter expect because he's already had sex and like, what does this feel like to him? They do have a good conversation in both the book and the movie. It's a little bit longer in the book, I think, but just talking about like, and Peter expressing to her like, Hey, you know, going at your own pace is fine with me. Like, I don't care. And don't worry about me. Like, I just want to be with you and do what is comfortable with you. So he's very respectful of her boundaries and also the fact that, like, she is unsure about things and it might take her a while to figure things out. Yeah, and even though he had been having sex in his previous relationship, it's not like, oh, he's this high school stud who just gets to bang whatever moves. It was like, that was a whole relationship for him, too, and it's not just this thing that is like applicable to like whoever he's dating or interested in yeah uh yeah so like all this part and i i like it too as a contrast to the first book and movie are so fun yes so good like just really enjoyable but it is much more of a rom-com formula and uh yeah. like kind of wacky situation so i appreciated that this for the most part kind of like abandons that kind of aspect and it just kind of delves more into like what it's like to be in a true real relationship yeah it's a little more mature yeah um yeah not as like cutesy um funny and I mean there are still funny moments but it is a lot more about like like you said what it's really like to be in a relationship and another thing that Largine is kind of dealing with too is just 
the kind of shadow of Peter's ex-girlfriend, Jen, and just wondering, like, constantly comparing herself to Jen and then thinking, like, well, we're doing all these things and it feels like the first time for me, but he's done them already with Jen. And not just, like, sex and, like, making out and things like that, but, like, going to restaurants, going on dates, like, doing couple things. And I feel like that really weighs heavily on her. Yeah. And affects her. Whereas for Peter, he's just kind of like, I mean, this is a different relationship. So there's the two different viewpoints here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both, both handled very well. Uh, so around this time we have, uh, Bellevue and Bellevue is a retirement home, nursing home that Laura Jean volunteers at. Yes. In the book, it's something that her sister used to volunteer at, and that's, like, why she does it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the reason in the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it It's pretty much the same in both. But so she gets a job there to help coordinate activities and just, like, you know, help out. And first of all, I want to talk about the set design, not only of the nursing home, but of this movie in general. I mean, that nursing home slash retirement home, I don't know, like, what exactly. Yeah. I know there's a difference. Uh, or senior living space. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, is this, like, a resort? <laughs> it's so crazy. It's just, like, so... and But, like, I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's a character at the nursing home, Stormy, and her room is just, like... This, like, villa-looking, like, beautiful, white, large, huge room. And there's, like, a basement. There's, like, all this, like, art deco stuff, Yeah. Yeah. And And a basement full of, like, amazing, like, extravagant props from the past and things. But, like, it's not just the nursing home, but it's, like, kind of this way throughout uh, the movie yeah. because like they, they go to a house party and it's like the most beautiful house you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Uh, but I really love that about these movies that it's kind of like this heightened reality. It is. It's almost like this exaggerated lush, uh, like, like everyone's kind of rich and it's like, that is a factor, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's really just like beautiful sets and locations and everything. Yeah. It does feel like you said, kind of lush. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote at one point in my notes, this uh, movie is XXL, extra, extra lush. (laughs) (laughs) Extra, extra lush. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels that way in the book, too. It does feel like they're kind of living this charmed life in many ways. Yeah. There's a lot of mentions of like people owning a lot of cars and (laughs) fancy things like that. Um, So it does feel like the characters in this story are... uh, Slightly above middle class. Probably, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so she's uh, helping out at this nursing home. We mentioned Stormy, who is this fantastic character who is, I'm pretty sure, new to this story. If yeah. not, she was only briefly mentioned in the first one. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is fantastic, though. She is just just full of amazing quotes, like, reading this. I wrote down so many quotes from her that were so funny. Yeah, she's been married, like, four times and just, like, values herself as a woman mm-hmm. um, and is constantly giving Largene advice about, like, oh, yeah, like, enjoy the boys, like, as long as you can, and I'm still <laughs> enjoying them, and, like, live your best life and kiss all the boys, um, which is great. Yeah, at one point, 
uh, Laura Jean asks if she's a feminist and she like scoffs and she's like, no, it just means that you think like men and women are equal. And then she's like, no man is my equal. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like scribbling in my notes. (laughs) You're like, yeah, yeah, Stormy. I will say in the book, Stormy is slightly racist. So I just want to bring that up. Um, In the movie, they leave out some of the less desirable aspects (laughs) about Stormy's character. And instead, she's just like an inspirational kick-ass elderly lady so yeah exactly in the movie we are introduced at this point in the story to john ambrose the jam man yes in person yes and she has never written him back in the movie but then he shows up at the retirement home and he's like oh i'm also like gonna volunteer here and he goes to a different school which is why we haven't like seen him no yeah at all so then she's like oh my gosh we're like thrown together and it's like what a coincidence. She slips and falls when she first meets oh, him, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, he has to, like, help her up. Um, in the books, she actually writes him back, and they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And then um, she ends up meeting him also at the retirement home, but not because he's volunteering there, but because he is uh, Stormy's great-grandson by marriage. So I'm like, I don't really know if that's really, like, a tie that you would keep, but maybe they're close for other reasons. But yeah, um, so that's why he kind of ends up showing up at the retirement home and then he kind of reappears and they hang out at the retirement home. Yeah. So it is interesting that in the uh, movie, we get these early, much more early interactions of them together at the nursing home. Yeah. And this makes sense, too, because like in the book, they interact at the nursing home, too, just for like a totally different, more contrived reason. Yeah. And I feel like Jam doesn't show up in the book until like halfway through it. Yeah. So that does feel a little weird um, in terms of pacing. So I do like that in the movie, they introduce him a little earlier. I agree. To kind of set up like, oh, here's, this is going to be like the love triangle. Like, Mm -hmm. here we go. And I do want to mention another difference between the book and the movie (laughs) in terms of jam, because uh, they're very different. And I would just like to read the description in the book of uh, John Ambrose jam that Laura Jean is thinking when she sees him, because it's kind of ridiculous. So she tells him that he looks taller. He looks more than just taller. Now that I can take the time to really look at him, I notice more. With his fair hair and milky skin and rosy cheeks, he looks like he could be an English farmer's son. But he's slim, so maybe the sensitive farmer's son who steals away to the barn to read. (laughs) That is literally her description of him. (laughs) And it's worth mentioning that, like, four people in a row... Like, mention his blonde hair. Yeah. Like, mention it, like, verbally. Like, They're oh. like, oh, yes, his blonde corn silk hair. Yeah, and I'm like, what a boring-ass person he must be that, like, the only thing people remember is like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he had blonde hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing else. And what I really like about this movie is that it's not super white. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of surprised Because the author of these books, you know, is Asian. Yeah. And, you know, she makes her main characters half Korean. And, but like everyone else in the story is described as white, even Lucas. Yeah. The only thing I can think of as a reasoning is, I mean, one, maybe she had an experience of growing up in a mostly white community. That's true. And, And two, it does put, it does set Laura Jean apart more Mm -hmm. for her to be, uh, part Asian in a mostly white uh, school as opposed to a more diverse one. Yeah. And maybe the book was more interested in like 
kind of separating her in that way because she does still follow certain Korean traditions and, you know, that side of her family, her mom's side, she still like has an attachment to. And I know for me, like that stuff is like enlightening to read about like, oh, I didn't know about Korean New Year, which we find out about at the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that might have also been some of the intention in the book, but it is one of those things where like occasionally in the story, like a character will be mentioned as being black just like for no reason. Yeah. And but then that you're like, OK, so I am guessing that everyone else is white. You know what I mean? Even if it's not like specified. Yeah. So, yeah, I do appreciate that about the movie, how diverse it is. I do, too, because it's not really like even brought up. And I think there is, like you said, some diversity that feels like what's the purpose of this? Um, But in the movie, it's just like, oh, these are just like people that don't all look exactly the fucking same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this is like a city where there are lots of people and lots of people that look very different. Um, So John Ambrose uh, is black. And then um, one of the other side characters, Trevor, is also Asian. And then uh, Lucas, of course, is black from the first movie. And then also Miss Rothschild is um, uh, an actress who... Her family is from India, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I just felt like it was like, it was like, hey, we have a new character. Does it need to be white? Especially since her both her love interests from the first uh, movie and book were white. Yeah. So it's especially like if it was another white person, I think it would be even more apparent or like more, you know, you'd, you'd realize it more. Uh, was Lucas black in the book? I don't think so. Okay, I couldn't remember, like, because I didn't mention it in this one, but I couldn't remember, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't mentioned as black in the first book. Okay, just curious, but. Yeah. yeah the diversity in this movie is just, it's great. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, so, Laura Jean and Jam are either, she's writing letters in the book, and they're hanging out in the movie, and they're kind of definitely, there's like a, a click to them. Yeah. And this is where they're like, enter the love triangle. Because <laughs> Lara Jean like remembers how she felt about him when she was younger. Because I mean, she wrote him a love letter, right? Um, and she eventually like reads the letter because he gives it back to her. And she's like, wow, I was like really in love with him. Yeah. And is almost like reminded of those feelings and is like, am I feeling those feelings again? Or am I just like remembering how I used to feel. Mm-hmm. So I think it is confusing for her because they didn't really get resolution. And so now it's like, well, what if? Yeah. And I also like, I think she's explaining it to Lucas at one point that when she's with John Ambrose, things just feel easier compared to Peter. Yeah. And I like that because it's understandable because Peter has like Jen in his life still. And there's yeah. a lot of baggage with that. There's a situation of like, you know, Peter has a reputation at her school. Mm-hmm. He's very popular. There's a lot of stuff, you know, with that that she has to deal with. And also, like, they're having problems in their relationship. Like, not huge ones, but, like, they're, like, in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas with Jam, like, he's a clean slate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's it's that idea of, like, the grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. And the, like, oh, well, this could be, like, the perfect relationship. And not really wanting to look at how and appreciate what you have, really. And I'm not saying that, like, you should never be like, oh, this relationship isn't working out. I need to find someone else. <laughs> but, like, also just that idea that, like, I mean, it's very easy to be like, oh, it would be way easier and better with that person when you're not actually in it with them. 
the boy is always more boyish on the other side of the fence. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, they're just so. How many boys on each fence? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I do like their connection, especially in the movie. Yeah. John Ambrose in the book just it has no discernible personality to me. Not really. Like she tries because it's tough because like, first of all, you had Josh in the first story. Yeah. Who for the most part is a very nice outgoing guy. And then Peter, who is like more popular and a little more vain, but also a nice outgoing guy. Yep. And then she's like, yeah, but he's nice and outgoing, but like in a different way. <laughs> like he used to stutter. He doesn't stutter now, but he used to stutter. Yeah. And also he used to be really nice to Kitty. Even though, like, every other guy in this story is really nice to Kitty, like, he used to be in the past. And, yeah. And it's just, like, all these reasons that I'm like, this doesn't add up to anything currently. I see what you mean. And there there are mentions of, like, when they were younger and, like, the connection that they had maybe together back then. Um, but I agree with you. Like, his character isn't super deep. No. And I think it goes a long way in the movie just to have, like, an actor portraying him and bringing something to it. Yeah. Like you can see how he's a little more reserved, a little more like maybe sensitive kind of. More uh, of an intellectual. Yeah. You know, just like more nuance that separates him from Peter. Because sometimes when you're trying to read about it, you're just like, I'm just picturing another dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another white dude just with blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely John jam in the movie is my jam. Compared to the one in the book. Yeah. And there's like a cute part two where you get like a little flashback of them. Oh, my God. In middle school and like in their stupid costumes for Halloween. And Largine <laughs> is French toast. And he's a deviled egg. It's so cute. It's fucking adorable. I'm like, you know what? I think this scene alone sold me on his character, honestly. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm for that kid. That kid looks awesome. Yeah. So, and there's some good other, another good movie scene where they're like doing bingo calling. Yeah. And talking back and forth while reading numbers, which was like just a fun setup for a scene like that. Yeah. And it, and they do have chemistry like the leads do. The, yeah. The actors. So that's cool to see too. Mm -hmm. Basically when Largine and Jam start hanging out and talking, they remember their past because they were really good friends in middle school. And then they were also friends with Peter, Jen, Chris, and some guy named Trevor, which we've never heard of until now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trevor. You know, Come our on, good friend Trevor, Trevor that we've mentioned many times. The Trev man. <laughs> <laughs> but like they used to be a group of friends that hung out in middle school and then uh, Jam moved and then Largine and uh, Jen like stopped being friends. And a lot of things happened to change their group. Um, so they're kind of having these like reminiscences of like, old times and they're like oh remember we buried that time capsule under the treehouse in some other person's yard <laughs> <laughs> it is funny because like, like whose yard is this it's like a house that was like sold or being sold yeah so i guess that just means they can hang out in the treehouse like as much as they want and no one's gonna be like i know upset. they're like trespassing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they're like well we have to dig up the time capsule because they're gonna tear the treehouse down and build a gazebo so let's have a time capsule party where we get the gang back together. They could also just burn the gazebo down. They could. <laughs> <laughs> it's our senior year. Time to burn the gazebo down. <laughs> uh, so they kind of, it, it mostly it seems like Laura Jean 
and at least in the movie uh, jam kind of organizing this. And it's everyone except Jen, yeah. at least on paper, mm-hmm. you know. Because uh, Largine's like, why would we invite Jen? Like, she hates me and is like trying to drive me and Peter apart and probably was the one that shared that video online. Yeah, still not confirmed. Still not confirmed. But highly suspected. Yes. So we get this, uh, you know, scene and and part of the story where they all gather for this party. Mm-hmm. They get together. Who who shows up but but fucking Jen? Fucking Jen shows up in the book. Like she and Peter arrive together, and so you're like, were they hanging out? And in the movie, they come separately. But then Largine's like, why is Jen here? And Peter's like, I might have mentioned it to her. Yeah, she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, and and this is like in the book something that's kind of been ongoing where Peter's kind of had ongoing contact and communication with Jen. Yeah. And he only keeps vaguely saying that she's going through a rough time and she needs someone. Yeah. And this is very frustrating to me. Very frustrating. Reading it. Because I'm like, that's not something. That's not a reason. No. And if it is like that, we do find out later like what it is she's going through. But, like, if he's not able to tell Laura Jean about it, then he shouldn't, like, be having that kind of relationship with her. Yeah, and I, it's very weird because we've known, and it's, like, pretty much a proven fact, not just from Laura Jean's perspective, but from everyone's perspective, that Jen is, like, an incredibly manipulative person. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Peter. So for Peter to be like, oh, well, she needs someone right now, and I'm just there as a friend, is very suspicious. Yeah, like, suit, like... You know, it would be a shock if this wasn't just like all a ruse for Jen to like pull Peter closer to her. Yeah. So, yeah, this whole part and like in the movie, this is kind of our first inkling that Peter and her are still kind of like in contact and talking and stuff. Yeah. So it comes as even like more of a shock then. Mm-hmm. But so they all gather, they dig up the time capsule and they all fit in the tree house in the movie. Of course, it's this enormous tree house. Oh, super nice. (laughs) (laughs) That is way larger than any tree could support. Yes. And they all sit around and open up the time capsule. Mm -hmm. And this is awkward for many reasons. One that we already mentioned, which is Jen being there. Um, But another is that Jam doesn't know that Largine and Peter are dating. Yeah. And the awkwardness is very obvious um, in the movie, especially because we can see the way like the characters are like sitting and like looking at each other and like glancing back and forth. And there's a lot of confusion and uh, uncertainty. Yeah. Jam is definitely being like kind of overly familiar with Laura Jean in front of Peter. And he's kind of getting peeved about it. And I thought in the movie, this whole scene was shot and done super well like you kind of got all the lines of tension and awkwardness yeah the looks between peter and jam laura jean and uh genevieve and then chris and trevor who are like uh just by themselves just there just having a good time (laughs) which by the way my favorite item in the time capsule was chris putting 20 dollars in there yes just for her to have later for her to have later (laughs) she was like i'll need this later (laughs) Yeah, but there's also like a lot of kind of sad memories that are coming up because Lara Jean had a friendship bracelet that she put in there that was between her and Jen that they had given to each other. So like she's remembering this lost friendship 
and like how bad things are now between them. Yeah. So that's really sad. And then things are still like weird. It's just like awkwardness all around. And after everyone leaves, um, Largene and Peter kind of have a fight. It's a mini fight. Um, where it's the mini boss of the it's movie. the mini boss of the movie where <laughs> Peter is like, what the hell? Like Jam clearly didn't know that we were dating. Like what's going on with you two? And Largene is like, I mean, what were you doing with Jen? Like, yeah. why was she here? And so they have this like mini fight about it. I do like it specifically, at least the one part that sticks out to me in my memory is she's saying like, I don't. She's like, do you want me to dress up for your lacrosse games? Yeah. No, no. What I'm thinking about was specifically in regards to like the Valentines. Oh, yeah. They had given each other, which we forgot to mention. But on Valentine's Day, she was expecting to get like this Glee Club like song in the middle of class. And he's like, I didn't think that was your style. Do you want that? She's like, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that just highlighting her confusion as to what she even wants. Yeah, expectations. Yeah. And for him, too, because he's like, you should be dressing up for my games. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's also not everyone's style. No, that's especially. That's unfair. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of like uh, misunderstandings between them. Um, nothing really gets resolved, but they do kind of make up. They say we'll never fight again, which of course. <laughs> At the beginning of the book, they also said they would never break each other's hearts. So <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're not doing well. Doubling down immediately. They're yeah. like, I feel so confident in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, also in the book, and I don't remember if it's talked about as much in the movie, but Largene kind of has this idea in her head, like, they're going to have this perfect love story and it's high school, so it won't last, but like, it'll be fine though. Mm, Like she almost wants them to like have this happy romance, but not to like, not to break each other's hearts and not to get like emotionally hurt from the experience. And almost like the idea of not quite casually dating, but kind of. Yeah. Laura Jean is kind of like, you know, how serious do I want this to be? She's kind of like interested in the past when, a gal would have multiple guys just like, you know. Should take one to the sock hop and Freddy another on, one to the drive-in. And Freddie on Friday and Sam on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. And Stormy, too, kind of mentioning this, like, oh, you should be dating lots of guys and not just settling down with one. And so I think Largene has these conflicting ideas in her head where on the one hand, she wants that, like, casualness. And on the other hand, she doesn't. Yeah. So, like, that disconnect is kind of affecting them as well yeah so they have this mini fight and uh but it's it's quickly resolved so let's take a little bit of a break between all this love triangle drama and talk (laughs) about some of the other characters in this story we have of course uh kitty who is the chaos queen of these two books and two <laughs> movies. <laughs> she is truly uh chaotic neutral yes. incarnate. <laughs> I think in our last episode we said in the book that she was chaotic evil and in the movie she was chaotic good. Mm, so neutral, mm. yeah. Okay, yeah. Neutral no, I can is see a good that. is a good middle ground for her, <laughs> but um she has not learned her lesson at all. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, her beliefs in like her own powers have, have only grown strong. Yeah, now that Peter and Laura Jean are together, she is like, I am God. <laughs> you know, um, I saw this connection that someone made on Twitter that uh, Kitty is like the Emma. 
Ooh, yeah. Jane Austen's Emma. That is, yeah, that's she's really like funny. Trying to meddle in people's lives and just think she's better than everyone else. And is like very oblivious, though, to what she's actually doing. Yeah. That's a great comparison. Yeah. Hopefully she gets taken down a peg maybe in the third book because she mm. sure hasn't in these two stories <laughs> at all. This, her newest project is to set their dad up with their next door neighbor, Miss Rothschild, because she thinks their, da- their dad needs to find love. And Laura Jean agrees with this, but she's also like, just don't get involved, Kitty. Like, this is going to be bad. And she's like, well, what if I hadn't gotten involved with you? Then you wouldn't be with Peter. She says it about 20 times yeah. in the story. Yeah. And then she's like in the middle of like writing a Valentine from their dad to Miss <laughs> Rothschild. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. It was. Uh, and so it's funny, too, because like. She's around, kind of like Kitty keeps going across the street, like, because they have a dog in the book. Miss Rothschild is helping her train the dog. So that's kind of a connection. Yeah. And so she's kind of around and they are trying to push them together. But I love in the book, the dad is just like totally clueless. Yeah. So oblivious to the fact that Miss Rothschild might be into him because it seems like she is. Or maybe he's just not interested. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's like, stop doing this. (laughs) (laughs) It does seem like Kitty is developing a relationship with Miss Rothschild, though. Yeah. And maybe she is seeking something like that, you know, and not having a mom. And Largene and Margot do kind of fill that mom-ish role, but kind of looking for something else beyond that. Yeah. And in the movie, I really like uh, Miss Rothschild. We get a great scene of them running into her at the supermarket that's very funny. Yes. And you do get the hint that, like, the dad is interested in her, actually. Yeah. Because uh, he's great, and the dad in the movie... Oh, my God. I love the dad in the movie. He's so amazing. He's good in the book, too. He is good in the book, but the actor that plays him is just so cute. He's so sweet. He's so adorable. He's, like, the perfect dad. He is. <laughs> <laughs> and so they invite her over to Thanksgiving. Yes. And... This is a great scene because it's a it's in the book as well, or at least the mention of it. Mm -hmm. And it ties into this story that the dad has with the mom where he attended a college party called Thanksgiving, which is where they first met. Yeah. And so now they do it every year um, kind of as a remembrance thing. And so it's just basically Thanksgiving in May. Yeah. And it's sweet. In the movie, they have a scene where they have it. And Peter is there, and they invite Miss Rothschild, too. And it's this moment where their dad gets to tell the story of their mom, and they're, like, all kind of remembering together. And it's really sweet because it's a moment for the family, but it's also, like, welcoming these other two people kind of into their family circle. Yeah, and I also love it, too, because both the book and the movie have done a good job of, like, staying in the fact that, like, they don't have a mom without being, like, overly dramatic about it. Yeah, it's not the main part of the story. No, because it's been a while since the mom passed, so it is kind of, like, normal to them now. Yeah. But, like, obviously they're still reminded from time to time about her, and I think it does a good balancing act of, like, it reminds you without hitting you over the head with it. I agree. Uh, And I did want to mention something here, too, about the script writing in the movie. Mm -hmm. Because I think this movie, and I think the last one, too, as well, uh, they do a great job of condensing a lot of story elements from the book 
into scenes and lines yeah and kind of like merging things and the friendsgiving scene is a great example because fakesgiving fakesgiving <laughs> friendsgiving is different yeah no <laughs> fakesgiving uh it's for all your fake friends your phony ass <laughs> fake friends and then you call them out on all their shit <laughs> uh for because you know we find out about fakesgiving just as a story and then obviously of the miss rothschild storyline but the movie manages to converge these two things into one scene. Yeah. So you're getting the dynamic between Mr. Rothschild and the dad while also being reminded about the mom and Peter's there. So it's kind of like this gelling of elements that like feel really good together. Yeah. And it feels like it, it goes together and it's very natural feeling. And I really like the juxtaposition of Mr. Rothschild being there clearly in the role that like maybe she and the dad are into each other, but still having this very like public and open remembrance of their mom. Yeah. It felt very respectful. It felt like everyone was cool with the situation. Yeah. She wasn't like, Oh, like I, I'm awkward. Yeah. You know? And the, the kids weren't like, Oh, this new woman is coming in. Like it was very like, it felt very, respectful like i said and also just like loving and open i really yeah, liked it yeah it was very well done and then there are like smaller moments too that kind of do a similar thing in the book uh jam talks about this great peanut butter cake that laura jean had made him yeah uh and that he really wants to have again and then there's also this aspect of peter's character where he always eats the last something the yeah. last slice of pizza the he last feels whatever like he's entitled to it exactly well the movie has just kind of like a brief couple of lines where Jam is reminiscing about her peanut butter cupcakes. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to the thing, oh, remember how Peter always takes the last uh, slice of pizza and how he took the last cupcake? Yeah. Like, just like a really smart way of kind of tying two threads together in a really smart way. And so, like, ultimately, it's what leads to, like, when you watch this movie, like, you really get the majority of character development and themes and even, like, details that you get from the book. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about this in the last episode as well. Just that idea of, like, you take the story of a book sometimes when you're making a movie and you look at all the pieces and you're like, okay, what's here? What works? What should we leave out? What can we, like, rearrange and combine yeah. in different ways to make something, like new something better something a little different yeah and i just think these the, the script writing specifically for these movies does such a fantastic job of like totally taking what's already there in the book hardly ever inventing anything new no and just like kind of reworking it sometimes you know uh workshopping it tweaking it a little bit and just like really doing a good job with it yeah i agree uh, let's talk about some less important characters that we just have to mention. Marco <laughs> is not in this story. <laughs> nah, she gets a glorified, like, cameo appearance. Yeah, in, like, a, a Skyping session, basically. Yeah. Um, in the book, she's a little bit more present because she's there at the beginning, but she's also just not in it in the book also, so. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. And then also, the biggest omission from the last movie is Josh isn't in this movie at all. No, not even a quick cameo. No. And I'm a little mixed on this. Yeah. On one hand. I feel like they did get resolution last movie. They did. Uh, I felt like fine with where they left off. But you like it's more just the issue of like he's their next door neighbor. Yeah. So like they're not running into each other at all. And that feels weird. And also the fact that like a big problem with the first movie was that like she was so close with him and such good friends with him yeah and there were this like 
love letter was kind of ruining that relationship and like same with Margot breaking up with him like could she yeah. not talk to him anymore and by not including him at all in this movie it kind of downplays the drama of the first one a bit yeah and it's like well their friendship will never recover and they just don't speak anymore <laughs> you're like <laughs> Kinda. okay i mean to be fair though in the book like there's a couple scenes with him but literally probably only two like well, they yeah. talk a bit and then they're like, oh, he's dating someone else now. The book is kind of guilty of the same thing in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, so neither of them necessarily handle it super well. But then again, I'm kind of fine with it because, like, he clearly didn't have anything to do in the book anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, if he's not going to add anything, I'd rather have more time with, like, with Lucas or Chris or, yeah. like, other characters that I kind of just enjoy more. Yeah. And that kind of have a little bit more to contribute. I do agree, though, that it doesn't really make narrative sense for him not to be there. Yeah. Or at least not to even be seen. Yeah. Let's talk about Lucas, though. Lucas. Lucas is so great. Yeah. I like, he's a big part of the second book. Um, which I like, but he feels like an even bigger part of the movie. And it's not really because he's in it more, because I think they have the same like scenes and dialogue and things like that from the book. But there's just like less of the book's plot. So it feels like more Lucas, if you can understand that. Yeah, I actually felt like he wasn't in the first movie a lot. No. You know, because I mean, she has Chris as like her close friend. Yeah. That she like confides in a lot. And then Lucas just appeared like a couple times. I, it did feel like he was more prominent in this one, which I appreciated. Yeah. I kind of wondered, it may have contradicted something said in the first one, but I wondered if they were going to incorporate him into the group, like the Treehouse group. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, was anything said in the movie that would have, like, made that not work? But either way, it doesn't matter. I kind of wondered if they were going to do that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a great scene, though, where, in the and I was so happy it was in the movie, too, where Laura Jean is kind of like, unloading and kind of complaining to Lucas about all of her boy problems and like <laughs> Lucas is being a good friend and like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> and she finally, he finally says something along the lines of like, well, it's a, at least kind of a good problem to have in a way like here, like I, there's like, I'm not technically out yet. And he's like, even if I was, there's only like two gay guys who go to this school. Yeah. So my options aren't really open. And I like that Laura Jean kind of has a moment of like, oh, shit, like here, here I, I am talking about all my problems. Yeah. And she has this really great line. She says, uh, the, the book goes, I touch his hand one day soon. You'll be in the world and you'll have so many options. You won't know what to do with them. Everyone will fall in love with you because you're so beautiful and so charming. And you'll look back on high school as a tiny blip. Lucas smiles and and his moodiness lifts away. I won't forget you, though. Aww. And it's this really sweet moment and i love the movie added one more line where he kind of goes like how do you know that and then she said before i knew you were gay i was first in line yeah <laughs> like i liked you yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's just this really nice scene to acknowledge the fact that like you know lucas is gay and like that's a even though that's not like the focus of the movie yeah like that's a whole thing that's like very complicated in high school even like by today's standards where it's like more accepted in a lot of areas. Yeah. And I feel like this flushes his character out a bit. He's not just the sassy gay friend. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, Oh, I have like some of my own thoughts and emotions. So yeah, I have I issues. Did, I did appreciate that. <laughs> I do just want to give a little shout out to, uh, 
Chris and Trevor in the movie because yeah. in the movie they have this like kind of very tiny subplot where they might be dating. Um, <laughs> and I kind of love them together. They both seem kind of like chaotic as well and just kind of having a good time. Trevor has a great line where they're like all getting together at the <laughs> treehouse and he says, Lincoln Park slaps. <laughs> they're like arguing about music, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but that was so funny to me. Also, he ha- he gets a singing Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. Which probably from Chris. From Chris. That's what I was just like, as I said that in my yeah, head. Yeah. Uh, he gets a singing Valentine Graham and he like gets up and starts singing along with it. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah. Uh, let's get back into the weeds and into the despair. Into the weeds. Of high school <laughs> and talk about. Assassins. Ass- oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> let's talk about the real grittiness of playing assassins. Assassins. This is a game that the gang played in middle school. And when they dig up the time capsule, in the book anyway, they're like, let's play one more game of assassins where we have to like stalk each other and trick each other and manipulate each other in order to tag someone it's like an elaborate game of tag yeah it's just like you eliminate people you have like a you draw a name and you're like that's the person you have to eliminate but it's like except for being in school or or in your home like you're just like paranoid and like this person could like jump out and tag me at any point i don't know who it is yeah and one person ends up like siphoning someone's gas out of their car yeah so they can tag them at the gas station (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And at one point, Laura Jean is following someone in her car. I'm like, yeah. this is creepy. Yeah. They I don't, they don't this. do this plot in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably, I think. But I do like in the book Laura Jean's motives. Yeah. She's very driven to win. And it's because everyone kind of has this like view of her as being like very innocent. It's She's kind of gotten like fucked over in the past playing this game because she trusts the wrong person. Yeah. Or she's not like. She's not ruthless enough. She's not ruthless enough. So she's like really wanting to like kind of change her image a little bit. So I did like that aspect of it in the book. Yeah. Uh, but now let's get to the now. sad, sad times <laughs> of high school, which we can all remember very, very clearly. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this whole situation where Largine is looking for Peter and can't find him and then ends up either seeing him embracing Jen or seeing a picture of him embracing Jen. And yeah. And so she confronts him about this. And... She's like, you two look like you're in love, like, you know, and he, he's trying to argue, no, I was embracing her because, like, she was really sad. sad. Shit's been going on with her family, and, like, I'm trying to be there for her. And she's just kind of saying, like, you're at her beck and call. Like, she'll, she has you on a string, and you know. Yeah, and you can't act this way if you're going to be with me. Like, exactly. I don't want to be second for and, you. Yeah, and then the nail in the coffin comes out when Peter reveals that, he knew that Jen had, in fact, posted that video of them on Instagram. Yeah. And not only that, but in the book, it is also played at a school assembly. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, a while, too, after, like, it was first posted to Instagram. And this, like, changes so much for me. It does. In this plot line. Because, yeah. like, it's one thing to post something on Instagram, like, in haste or out of anger you know what I mean? In the moment. Yeah. And then to kind of like not do anything about it. But like to do it again at the assembly, like it's very vicious. It's very calculated and just shitty. And 
she's just, I don't know, portrayed as just an even worse person than we already thought that she was. Yeah. And this also kind of leads to the um, revelation, too, that the reason that she took the video, she was the one who actually, like, took the video of them, was because she was planning on meeting Peter in the hot tub, and Peter was maybe expecting her. And then Lara Jean showed up, and things changed. It all goes back to the hot tub. Oh my god. Everything in this story goes back to like <laughs> in the third book, I haven't read it, but I imagine they're going to be like, "But wait, this thing about the hot tub." <laughs> exactly. Uh yeah, like there was another girl like submerged underneath like the whole time that Peter was actually with. They were sitting on her and she died, and then the third <laughs> book is about having to cover up the murder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This is really sad, though, and I can really sympathize with Laura Jean, you know, feeling all these feelings and not feeling prioritized by Peter. Yeah. And it's just really sad. And it's really hard, especially when you're in high school, to, like, know what's okay and what's not and when you should stand up for yourself and when you shouldn't. Yeah. And what to expect from a a boyfriend or girlfriend and, like, especially when you feel like, you know... It's like, am I crazy or do they like someone else? Am I just like their second best yeah. option? Uh, I mean, fuck, I think that applies to real life, too. Still, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like all this stuff is still applicable. We're all just still in high school. Nothing changes. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> uh, but no, like it really does kind of like hit Laura Jean really hard to realize that. And so they break uh, up. she yeah, she breaks up with him. Yeah. And ends it. And this is all very sad now. And Laura Jean is sad. And the whole situation is sad. It's hella sad. <laughs> but in the book, anyway, they're like, okay, well, uh, Laura Jean and Peter are broken up. Let's get back to jam. <laughs> it's jam time. Come on and slam. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the, the jam. jam. <laughs> this is my new favorite thing. <laughs> Uh, so Laura Jean is continuing to spend time with Jam and I love how it can just say it like not funny but it just is what I think of but uh, she's spending time with John Ambrose a lot more time now like at the nursing home as you do as teens (laughs) flirting with each other (laughs) in a nursing home yeah but it's like especially much more in the book like there's quite a gap of like her spending time with John Things being like tense between her and Peter and them not talking. We yeah. get yeah, we just get a lot more about their deepening relationship and like Laura Jean kind of starting to fall in love with him. I mean, she's still dealing with the hurt with Peter and like is still actively thinking about it a lot. So it's clear she's not in a place to like emotionally move on. No. But she's still kind of like likes the way that Jam makes her feel and how cute he is and the time that they spend together. There's a couple different scenes like they're at the nursing home, and then there's a snowstorm, and they have to, like, spend the night there. Which I'm yeah. like, how could this ever happen? This is another, like, one of those, like, fan fiction tropes <laughs> that shows up a lot. If you read fan fiction, they're like, oh, no, there's a snowstorm. We're stuck here together. And there's only one bed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they, like, go outside to play in the snow, and it's, like, really cute. Yeah. Uh so, uh, yeah, they, we get multiple scenes of them. And then around this time, too, they're planning this this party. Yeah. Uh, it's a... World War II themed? World War II themed party in the book. 
in the movie, it's just like a general fancy like, shindig. Dress up party. Yeah, exactly. So they're both preparing for that, and mm-hmm. Laura Jean is just like, "What do I want? What boy do I want?" There's so many boys. Too many boys. And there's also a really sad scene too, where uh, it, it plays out differently in the book. Peter just approaches her after class and is like, I want my necklace back. Yeah, the necklace he gave her for Valentine's Day. And it's like really like, yeah, it's like really (laughs) aggressive. And I was not really happy about it. Like, he's like, I need the money. (laughs) I owe people. (laughs) I'm going to hawk it. (laughs) In the movie, they definitely soften it with them being on this school trip to the aquarium, which is very like moody sets. Yeah. Once again, another like interesting set. Yeah. Um, they're specifically standing in front of the jellyfish tank mm. and Lara Jean actually offers to give him the necklace back and he's just sort of like, okay. Yeah. But it's like much sadder. Yeah. Like they both kind of feel like this is something out of our control right now and we just have to go along with it yeah. and like less like aggressive on anyone's part. Less like, give me that necklace back. <laughs> and then he rips it off her neck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else happens around this time? Lara Jean and uh, Jam go to the World War II party together, and then afterwards they end up kissing. Yeah, yeah. And so this is kind of just like, it's, it's a great night for Laura Jean, and in fact she even ran into Peter and Jen again uh, at the nursing home because she had to pick things up from her grandma. I Jen was trying to tag her in the game of assassins that is still happening. In the oh, book. yes, that's right. Because <laughs> it's only her and Jen now. Yeah. Everyone else has been tagged out. And then John drives up in his convertible and he's like, get in. And then they speed away. And he's like, as he like fires a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they kiss and it's like this really like kind of magical night almost for Laura Jean. And she's yeah. still kind of like, figuring out how she how she feels about everything. And this all kind of culminates in, on her birthday, mm-hmm. she's at school and Peter doesn't say anything to her. She's kind of pissed about it. Yeah. And then out in the parking lot, who's there but the jam man? The jam man is there. He gives her a present. It's like this cute snow globe that kind of harkens back to their night playing in the snow. And then Peter shows up and he's like, I also have a gift for you. And then it's like, not really a gift because he just gives her back the necklace that he asked for. And I'm like, you can't recycle the gift and be like, it's a birthday gift when you already gave it to her for Valentine's Day and then insisted that you wanted it back and then gave it back to you to prove your love. Like, come on. But he does say like, listen, I want you back. And this is the first time that he's been like kind of clear about this. And he's like, here, take the necklace back. Like, I'm going to keep fighting for you. Like, I'm not going to give up. Like, I want us to be together. And Laura Jean is just like, okay. And then ends up kind of deciding that she is still in love with Peter. Yeah. In the car after they leave there, she's with uh, John Ambrose and she says, and he can tell, he's like, you still love him, right? And she has a line that I do not like. Yeah. Where she said, Essentially, he was first and he won't leave. So there's no room for you. Yeah, it's just a weird way of phrasing it. it I, don't, is. I don't think she meant it in that, but it felt like stalkery and like possessive or something. Yeah. It just wasn't great. And it's not like I really like him. It's just he was here first. Like that yeah. didn't feel very genuine either. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But she does realize that she's still in love with Peter and then they uh, end up reconciling and having like a very sweet moment where they kind of 
say like, all right, let's, let's try this again. And like, let's be more real with each other and like no half measures really. So, yeah. And that was up to the end of the book, essentially. Uh, and, and it was weird for me in this book ending. Cause like they fight and then there's so much time spent away from yeah. Peter or where Peter looks like a total ass. Yeah. And then John Ambrose looks so cool and they're having this connection and like all this stuff. And then just kind of it turns on a dime and it suddenly wraps it up really quickly. Yeah. And suddenly in like one scene, one kind of half assed moment where Peter's like, uh, I want you back. <laughs> and she's like, uh, OK. Yeah. And that's like like their scene later is better. Yeah. When they're like together, actually in the talking house. about yeah. it. But like her like. I don't know, decision on it happened in like a weirdly quick way. And then that last scene of them is like in the last three pages. Yeah. So I don't know. It just all wrapped up in a weird, odd way. I agree. And I think they almost went too far in like making Peter's character a little shitty to like make the idea of Largine being with someone else possible. Yeah. I think there's a fine line when you're doing that. Because, like, you have to make the other love interest, like, actually have a chance. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, she's clearly going to be with, like, this guy and not this new guy. So they have to make him, like, a viable option. But you also can't, like, make the one that she's going to end up with, like, too shitty. So at the end, when they get together, you're, like, mad about it. Yeah. And I feel like this book maybe kind of went too far in being... Like making Peter shitty. Yeah, because by the end you're like, I don't know if I want her to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I like Peter as a character, even for his faults. Yes. Like he is late to things and like he's a little vain and like, you know, those qualities about him that like make him just more human. Yeah. And compared to John Ambrose, he's like more interesting. Yeah. And more of a like interesting character. But uh even so I was like, I'm not liking him too much by the end of this story, but at least I guess we got because the last book ended on such a cliffhanger. Yeah. At least we got <laughs> resolution in this one, I suppose. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie ending a bit. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're picking up in the movie where Largine and Peter break up and then Largine ends up having this like confrontation with Jen. Actually, they meet up in the treehouse and it's actually a really kind of nuanced scene. Yeah. That I liked a lot. Um, Largine talks to Jen and they're kind of talking about her and Peter being broken up. And Largine ends up saying like, and there's a similar part in the book where she says the same thing. But like, I was thinking about you so much in the relationship that like my idea, like I couldn't get over you in my mind. And like, it wasn't the relationship between like you and Peter that was tripping, tripping me up. It was between like you and me. Yeah, I, I love that, too. And she was so worried about Peter not being able to get over her. It was her who couldn't get over her. Yeah. And the idea of Jen mm -hmm. and the two of them. And yeah. And, and also the idea that Laura Jean and Jen have this history together. Yeah. And that like so much of that is unresolved mm -hmm. and kind of like fuels this like rivalry and like their their bad blood with each other. Mm hmm. And I mean, this is like in high school, too, you do get like thrown in with people so much, too, that like, you know, if you're in the same group, friend group, you know, as other people, it's like you do see people a lot that you don't like. Yeah. And you have to be around them. And there is some uh, maybe a little bit of resolution between them. It seems like 
things might be a little more positive. Jenna's very like in this movie, a lot more muted. She's not as like vicious. No. And mean. And she seems a lot more receptive to like maybe, you know, amending things between her and Laura Jean. And she also mentions like, you know, Peter really likes, like really likes you. Like, yeah. you know, you should give him another chance, that kind of thing. And they talk about their friendship bracelets and the friendship that they once had. So they kind of have like a little bit of resolution here. Um, that's not what happens in the book, though. No. And it's also she mentions how her parents are getting a divorce in the movie. And that's kind of like what the shit she's been going through that she yeah. needs uh, help from Peter with. Because Peter's parents are divorced, too. Yeah. And I'm like, that checks out a bit that she would want to talk to someone Who's been through that? Yeah. But yeah, the book. Oh, boy. Yeah. In the book, um, Laura Jean actually finds out that Jen's dad is like dating slash banging a girl that's like 18. So like a girl that Laura Jean actually knows because she was in Margot's grade. So this is a lot more than just like, oh, my parents are getting divorced, which is in the movie. Yeah. And... Peter also implies that, like, Jen has, I mean, he basically says that Jen's had a history of, like, self-harm. Yeah. And that, like, he had been there and tried to help her with it when they were dating. Mm -hmm. And that, like, this was also part of the reason he was, like, really concerned for her. And so, you know, well, I'll I'll let you read their encounter because they still, Jen and Laura Jean do have this encounter with each other. Yeah. Uh, in the book, but it plays out super differently. Yeah. And this, if you've seen the first movie, it might sound familiar. So Laura Jean and Jen are in the bathroom and all of a sudden they have this confrontation. You're such, this is Genevieve talking. You're such a little phony. Your whole sugary, sugary, sweet routine makes me sick. You know that you've got everyone fooled, but I know who you really are. The venom in her voice stuns me. What did I ever do to you? Why do you hate me so much? Oh my God, stop. Quit acting like you don't know. You need to own the shit you did to me. Wait a minute, I say. What I did to you? You're the one who put a sexy video of me on the internet. You don't get to change the story because you feel like it. And then she turns like she's going to leave. And then she stops and says, I saw you guys that day in seventh grade. I saw you kiss him. She was there. She sees my surprise. She revels in it. I left my jacket down there, and when I went back to get it, I saw the two of you kissing on the couch. You broke the most basic rule of girl code, Laura Jean. Somehow in your mind, you've made me out to be the villain. But what you should know is I wasn't being a bitch just for the sake of being a bitch. You deserved it. And then later she says, like, the only reason he even kissed you that day was because I wouldn't. You were second choice. If you had admitted it back then, I might have forgiven you. Might have. But you never did. (laughs) fuck and i'm like oh my god like what's wrong with you and Lara Jean is so kind and like good-natured and she's like i'm sorry genevieve i truly am if i could take it back i would her eyebrow twitches and i know she's not unmoved impulsively i say we were friends once can we do you think we can ever be friends again she looks at me with such complete and utter disdain like i'm a child who'd, who's asked for the moon grow up Lara Jean. <laughs> god she's like such a bitch Yeah, and I mean, there's so many dynamics here to, like, have to break down. I mean, the first thing worth mentioning, though, that's interesting is the fact that the end of the first movie to All the Boys I Loved Before. Yeah, is this scene. Yeah, took basically this scene. 
and kind of gave the motivation of Jen for like doing the video and stuff in the first place. Yeah. Which makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, But it's also like that was in seventh grade and you're in 11th grade now. Oh, yeah. I just mean like it made sense to put it in that movie. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But so. Oh, my God. Yeah. So first of all, the whole seventh grade thing. Yeah. Like psychotic like that's like so like not thinking clearly you know what i mean to like have that as your motivation and to to, like like, hold it against someone for that long now laura jean later does think back and she's like we were still friends after that though she's like so it does seem like she's kind of like built this up in her head maybe yeah or that like she's not being honest with what's really so like that could just be kind of like not accurate or like you said like building it up in her head uh but so yeah it's just like i don't even know what to say about it honestly i know i just like wish it it just feels like jen is just this caricature in the book a bit like she's just like evil and fucked up and manipulative and i do like that in the movie they give her like a little bit of nuance me too. And it seems like she matures a bit in the second movie and is like not quite as like hell bent on just being evil for no reason. Yeah. It, it In fact, like the book almost like gives like the opposite lesson. Yeah. Which is interesting in its own way. And that is almost like some people you just can't help. Yeah. You know what I mean? At some point, some people you just have to fucking like forget about. Yeah. And they might not like you and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I mean, that, <laughs> it, it's a. Uh, that its own lesson yeah you know to have to learn but yeah two kind of like totally different takes on the same character yeah it's very complicated it is the book is like way more complicated it with is. all these character motivations and things going on and mm-hmm. it's much more real let's get back to the movie though after this scene with jen uh lara jean does get some time with jam where they are at the fancy party at the retirement home and It snows and they dance and then they like kiss in the snow. So it kind of combines some elements of the book. Yeah. The snow scene and then the dance together, which makes sense. Yeah. And when they pull away from the kiss, uh, John Ambrose is like, you still like Peter, don't you? Yeah. And Lara Jean is like, yes. And kind of leaves to go find him. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Peter is there. And it's really sweet. It is. I was so worried he was going to show up when they kissed. I know. I was like ready for it. Yeah. Uh, To be super dramatic. Yeah, exactly. But luckily he shows up later when it's much more convenient. Yes. And it's a callback because at the beginning of the movie, Lara Jean says that she doesn't like to drive in the snow. Mm. And so Peter shows up and he's like, I know you don't like to drive in the snow, so I came to get you. No, because Peter sometimes is forgetful, but sometimes. But sometimes he's not forgetful. Sometimes he's not forgetful. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that great? It is. (laughs) But they have this great bit of exchange here. And it's similar to the book as well, where Peter tells her to break his heart. Yeah. Because they promised that they wouldn't break each other's hearts at the beginning. And now he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, break my heart. And like, let's let's do this for real. Like, you know, let's not just try to get out of this unhurt. Yeah. And I really like in a very, um, you know, uh, touching, thoughtful moment. They're watching the treehouse get torn down. Yeah. Kind of this very symbolic moment of like childhood being over Mm -hmm. uh, and they're walking away from it. But then they like kiss. Yeah. And it's like this great, like they kind of rise up, they, like they're elevated. It's so cute. It is. It's really sweet. They're and playing I, good music. Yeah, great music. And I just love that, like, 
yeah, just because childhood is over, isn't it? It's not like this sad thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it handles that message very well. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's both versions. Wow. We covered all the boys. Every boy. Until the next boy. (laughs) (laughs) Can they add another boy in the third one? I don't think they do. I don't think they could. (laughs) But I am curious because, like, obviously, John Ambrose gets, like, the short end of the stick. Yeah. With a lot of things in this story. I know, and there isn't really resolution with him. No, you just end up feeling, like, really bad for him. I know, you're like, oh... Because Laura Jean was very flirtatious with him. Yeah, led him on a lot. Yeah, which like, you know, I don't like being like, oh, she led him on, but. She kind of did. She kind of did. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope at least he's like a returning character in the next story and like. Maybe. Maybe has some kind of contribution to the story and maybe get some resolution himself. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So which one is better? Wow. You know, uh. So reading the book, because we I, I got through most of the book before we sat down and watched the movie. And I remember thinking, like, I'm really enjoying this book. And I couldn't remember enjoying the first book this much. Now, that being said, I had watched the first movie before reading that book. So I was yeah. comparing it. And, you know, that may, that may have hindered my enjoyment of it. But reading the second book, I was like, this is really good. Like, I love what it's talking about. The characters, yeah. like, it feels more mature in ways. It dealt with a lot of topics like sex really well. And, um, you know, so I was really enjoying it. And I was like, I am not sure the movie will be able to, like, hold up to this. Yeah. But then we saw the movie (laughs) and it was great. It was so good. Yeah. And it's also worth mentioning that the last third of the book really falls flat for me. It does. Because, like, so much of the interesting nuance of, like, their relationship and them maturing together that's, like, the first part of the book just gets replaced with, like, this kind of sappy or, like, high school drama. Yeah. And, like, this, like, love triangle with a dude who isn't that interesting. And, like, a lot of those elements are just, like, gone. Mm -hmm. And it's replaced with something that's just not as interesting to me. Yeah. So for me, I think it's going to be a movie again. I think I also agree. I think I'm going to have to go with the movie. Although I would like to say that I did enjoy this book more than the first book. I did too. I absolutely enjoyed this one. And I think it's because the first in the first book, Josh was so annoying and I hated him so much <laughs> that just the absence of Josh like has made the story like so much better. See, I don't even remember Josh that much from the first book. Uh, he was just so creepy and like trying to get with Lara Jean and it was so gross. Yeah, I do remember that being more like in the first movie, it's more like he's just confused. Yeah. And wants to talk to Laura Jean and she won't talk to him. Mm-hmm. But the book was definitely like, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I'd hit that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But so I do think the second book is better, more mature, like you said, and dealing with some different topics that I liked. Um, but I do think the movie is better. And we've had, like, going back in our discussion, just talking about the ways, like, the movie combined certain elements of the book in, like, an interesting way and did things a little differently. I agree. I think I think the book, or I think the movie is better. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is better. The movie's better. We're, we're certain about that. Yes. And now let's go into a lightning round. Let's do lightning. First up for lightning round. So they're playing Assassin's. In the book, remember? And (laughs) (laughs) Lara Jean and Chris team up and they're going to try to get Trevor out. And so Lara Jean puts like ketchup on her clothes. Fake blood. Fake blood. And then gets a bicycle and like 
pretends like she had a bicycle accident so that Trevor will pull his car over and come out of the car so then Chris can come out of the bushes and tag him. But she says that she sprained her ankle. So why do you need (laughs) fake blood? (laughs) And he's like clearly getting suspicious. Yeah. But they end up getting him tagged out. But it was just like so elaborate and crazy. Well, and then only afterwards, Laura Jean was like, wait, what if Trevor had had my name? Yeah. And Chris is like, meh. Uh, I just wanted to give some more uh, love for Stormy yes. uh, in this, specifically in the book, because she just has so many great lines. Although the movie, she's excellent, too. She offers Laura Jean a drink at one point yeah. in the movie. Uh, in the book, though, she's almost trying too aggressively uh, to get her great grandson laid. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but I do love she does have the one liner. She's like, he'd make a great first husband. <laughs> And then also, uh, she was the one who decided that on the night they were staying in the nursing home because of the snowstorm. Yeah. She was the one who's like, Laura Jean sleeps in my room and um, John Ambrose will sleep in Mr. Whatever's room. And like Laura Jean thought this was weird, but then they like snuck out and had their snow date and everything. And later, uh, Stormy like was like, yeah, I knew about that. And she's like, what? She's like, yeah, of course. That's why I had you sleep in separate rooms. She's like, you needed some obstacles <laughs> to overcome, <laughs> to come to each other. <laughs> and you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but she's just like such a funny character with so many great quotes, minus the racist ones. <laughs> yes, minus the racist ones. Another thing I just want to mention is there's this bit where in the book, Lara Jean, Kitty, and her dad are talking about The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. And their dad is like, oh, yeah, it's a great movie. And Kitty's like, what the fuck is this? It sounds crazy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we should watch it. And they're talking about, like, the Nazis and all this stuff. And then they're like, oh, you should ask Miss Rothschild over and watch The Sound of Music with her. And Kitty has this great line where she says, uh, just think about it, Daddy. Tacos. Nuns. Nazis and Miss Rothschild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I think he agrees to go on a date with her, but he's like, sound of music is uh, too much for a first date. (laughs) Uh, The last thing I wanted to mention was there's a great scene in the movie we didn't mention, but it's uh, right near the beginning during the China or uh, during the Korean New Year scene. And Kitty is recapping basically the events of the first movie to their very bored cousin. (laughs) And it's just so funny. Her like emphatically like describing like the love letters and Peter and fake dating dating and then this and that and all this stuff. And it's so funny. But like the topper is that the cousin is like, uh, wasn't Peter that guy? He was just in that Instagram video recently making out with that girl. And then they show like Laura Jean's face like and then it cut to the Instagram video of them making out. And then but it was overlaid with the music from that scene. Yes. In the movie, which is like this like very romantic poppy music. And it's so funny because it's like it's great in the first movie in that moment. But in that context, just cut in and out. It's like so funny. Yeah. And it's (laughs) self-aware. Self-aware. Yeah. That's the perfect way. Like it's like making fun of itself. And it's so great. I love it. (laughs) So that's it for lightning round. Um, And that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't listened to our episode on To All the Boys I've Loved Before, I'm not sure what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> listen to that one because uh, that one was really fun to do. And so was this one. Um, so if you'd like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle on Twitter is Cover2Credits. And you can also email us at Pod at gmail.com.
Yes. And also, if you would like to support the podcast and also gain access to all of our bonus episodes uh, of After Credits, we just had a new one recently where we talked about the 2020 Oscars. We saw eight of the nine movies, including many of the movies that were snubbed. Yes. Uh, So we give our hot takes on what won and what should have won. If you want to listen to that and other bonus episodes, you can become a patron at any level, uh, support the podcast with hosting fees, us seeing and renting movies and just all the other things that uh, go into making this this podcast. Yeah. And you can also um, leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts as well. That really helps other people find our podcast, which is really helpful. Yes. Um, so thanks so much for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.